This Podcast Movement 2022 audio session is brought to you by Supporting Cast, the best way to sell and deliver exclusive podcasts. And special thanks to PM22 Virtual Ticket Presenting Sponsor, Amazon Music. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the spirit of hip hop. Oh, Mike check, oh, one, check two, one, two, one, two. Mike check, Mike check, one, two, one, two. It's Brooklyn yo, in the yo, house. Yo, turn me up in the monitors. <laughs> yo, son, I need more snare. Yo, headphones. son, more snare, more snare, more bass, more bass. More bass. We don't need any of that, please. <laughs> I was like, oh, we'll man. Take us, we'll, take well, this is a great way to start the conversation. Uh, hi, everybody. My name is Corey Cambridge. I'm a showrunner over at Double Elvis, and welcome to this panel. Uh, this is the, hit, the influence of hip-hop and podcasting. And today we have some very amazing guests here on this panel. So I'm just going to, uh, you know, pass it down and everyone introduce yourselves. Sure. How about that? Hello, everyone. My name is Fabian Mickens. I am the Senior Marketing Director over at Double Elvis. You might have heard of some of our shows, Disgraceland, Badlands, About a Girl, Here Comes the Break. Super excited to be here. Peace and love. My name is Manny Faces. I'm the owner of Manny Faces Media, a very creatively named company. Uh, and uh, I do a lot of work in the podcast field. I come from a world of journalism and hip-hop, as I'm sure we'll find out. So happy to be here with y'all today. Honored. Hi, I'm Keisha T.K. Dutess. I'm an executive pro uh, producer at Spoke Media, also, uh, you know, general host talent of things and um, a community organizer and a builder of, uh, of community radio in Brooklyn, New York. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we're very excited to have this panel today because uh, I think we all here believe that the future of podcasting is hip-hop. Um, very much so. The way that we see pop music today is hip-hop. I think we all have a good feeling that uh, hip-hop and the podcast is going to have the same influence. But I kind of want to um, go down in order of how hip-hop how, how hip has all led us to this current position in our careers now. So, yeah. Faye, hop on that. Yeah, so um, my introduction to Double Elvis was through our um, podcast, Here Comes a Break, which we did in conjunction with Def Jam. So, hip-hop. Yeah. yeah, so that was my <laughs> connection. Um, but... Prior to working in podcast marketing, I worked in music marketing. I was a music curator for an audio fitness app based out of New York City, uh, where we worked very closely with Warner Music and Sony Music to strategically place their up-and-coming artists in our classes. Um, but if you think about it, an audio fitness class is almost like a podcast, like someone's talking you through uh, your wellness journey, and there's music to accompany it. So it kind of all... I guess, meld it together. But that's how I came here. And it was very exciting because um, the way that the space is continuing to evolve, we were able to take so many tactics, guerrilla marketing, we were able to do strategic placements, we were able to um, utilize the voice of artists and have them kind of become influencers as well, uh, all through the lens of hip hop. And um, our, our senior staff was super open to wanting to try new ideas, and I got to experiment with a lot of stuff. Actually, shout out Brady Sadler. He's wearing our shirt right now. Brady, show everybody this shirt. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's going to be an NFT. It's $50. Holla at me after the show. You know, it's hip-hop. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's been fun to, like, try different tactics in the podcast space. That's awesome. Manny, how about yourself? How, how has hip-hop brought you here to this present moment? Yeah, it's a long, winding road, so I'll be quick, but uh, I... From the way back teenage days, I was a DJ, so I got into the music side of things. I'm still a DJ, facts. Uh, so I've done, I did DJing for a while and some music production, had a studio in the house, and I was doing that thing, you know, trying to be a, you know, a, a rap producer and, a, and, a, and, a, and an MC and get a record deal and all that stuff. So that didn't happen. 
But what did happen is I started working in the day job in the journalism field. We ran an alt-weekly newspaper on Long Island, right? So I'm working with journalists that are kind of going against the grain, right? They're not the main daily newspaper, the corporate newspaper. They're the ones that are going after the crooked cops or the company that has the bad, you know, reputation or, or they're uh, putting bad um, stuff in the soil, you know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. so these guys are like, uh, like like hound dogs on these ish issues. So I like that scrappy kind of form of journalism. At the same time, I'm in New right outside of New York City, shouts to Strong Island. And uh, at the time, hip hop was dead in New York. Oh, they said hip hop was dead. Everyone's yeah. saying, oh, it died. It's in Houston now. Shout out to Houston, I see you. Um, you know what I mean? Um, Atlanta was starting to pop, but we were in New York yeah. and we knew that that wasn't the case. There was a lot of people doing a lot of great things. So I started covering uh, I started a publication called Birthplace Magazine. So I started covering the New York hip hop scene, the culture, the indie artists, the people doing things. I did that for 10 years. Along that way, I found that there were people using hip hop in really innovative and inventive ways outside of just entertainment. So people were using hip hop in a classroom, bringing it in, getting kids engaged, helping them learn through music, uh, mental health therapy, hip hop theater. We know a bunch of people doing that kind of work. So really inventive stuff. I started covering that. Mm -hmm. Still doing journalism. There's no way that journalism isn't going to like migrate into the audio field now. And so I started working on some projects, including Newsbeat, which is a, a podcast where we meld social justice journalism, interviews with activists and leaders in the field and people who are going through injustice. We merge that with music, so it's got that underbelly of a, you know, a score. And then we introduce, we invite independent hip hop artists to write verses specifically about that episode. We like to say it's like if uh, 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 Democracy Now! and Black Thought from the Roots had a podcast, baby. Yes. Right. Yes. Or Democracy Now! and Hamilton, if you don't know who Black Thought is. Um, so anyway, so that project is the melding of all of these worlds. Independent artists that I know that are brilliant and, have, uh, and are journalists themselves. Journalists that are doing the interviews and conducting all the, the stuff and, and with a social justice bent. So I work in those three worlds. Social justice, journalism, and hip-hop. And that Venn diagram in the middle is where I like to sit. That's how I got here. That's what's up. Yo, TK. Yeah, um, I mean, with hip hop, all things are possible, and that's really my what I what I, my ethos in life. You know, I uh, what what's funny is when I met all the professional podcast people, I didn't know who they are, who they were, right? The people that I gravitated to, the the people that impressed me, the people that made me want to do this work. Um, are people from all the urban stations, right, of, across America, but New York primarily. So I'm going to these conferences, right, and they're like, Ira Glass, child. I didn't know who Ira Glass was. <laughs> but if you used to put an Angie Martinez, I'm like, girl, let me pray at your feet. <laughs> so so I wanted to be that, and, and that put me in the circles of, of Faye, of Manny, um, doing social justice radio for seven years um, in, on WBAI. And then I was like, you know what, seven years, man, if, if they didn't put a ring on it, then you should move on. So then I started my own online radio station and the DIY of it all is very in the culture of hip hop and also of, of trying to give folks a platform. The, a, a version of what Manny did, but live streaming radio and then I bring that ethos into everything I do right now, just making podcasts because you have, you got to reverse engineer everything, right? Mm. So, you know, Cool Herc and, and many other pioneers put together two turntables and a microphone and now we have a whole culture. Man, we have to... At the advent of, of, of hip-hop of hip in podcasting, the things that we had to reverse engineer 
My first mixer was a Tascam from like 1960-something that I got for $50 from a guy on Craigslist in New Jersey. <laughs> I had to make that analog signal digital in order to live stream. You can't, I did not have an example from the tech world for that. I got that example from hip hop. Right? I gotta redo these wires, baby. Let's go. Yep, yep. So, anyway, that, that's where I'm at, y'all. <laughs> no, that's what's up. That's what's up. And, um, you know, one thing I wanna uh, talk about um, with this next question is what are the positive things that we're seeing in podcasting right now um, with hip hop? Like, what's impressing you? Who is impressing you? What are you excited about uh, as far as hip hop in the podcasting space? TK, let's start with you. Sure. Um, I'm excited about, first of all, just that hip-hop in general as a culture, as a conduit for many people to come through the doors of podcasting, right? And also for where we at, excuse me, where we're at now with both hip-hop being a dominant culture in all things, that it makes it a little easier for folks that are independent and that are of the hip-hop culture to come and get a job. Um, at a place that would not normally employ them um, because now hip-hop is equated with grit, right? <laughs> Getting shit done. <laughs> having a savvy and a cool and if you hire the right person of the culture, then you could really go far and that's something that'll take your company far. I, I felt like that was a good sentence and I forgot the question, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> now no, you killed it. Nailed bars, it. bars. <laughs> Um, I'll say, and, and to your point, TK, there's two there's two things when we talk about hip hop in podcasting. I think we want to make clear right, right. now. There's actual hip hop podcasting. So you know, and shouts to the late great Combat Jack, and of course yes. Drink Champs, yes. and yes. all these hip hop oriented shows, right? That have hip hop like in its content, right? But there's also people that are doing some of this work that come from hip-hop and have right. a hip-hop ethos. And so that show may be nothing about hip-hop. The, the, the outlet may have nothing to do with hip-hop, but what they bring to that table is a whole different perspective. People who are from hip-hop, some of y'all know, and some of y'all might be saying, this is interesting, tell me more. Some of us who come from hip-hop see the world a, In different, a different way. In a different way, yeah. yeah. Right? And when you, so the opportunities that exist, like you say, for you know, people who come from hip-hop, have that ethos, have that understanding, have a background in all of these cool DIY things where you couldn't do the things you wanted to do in hip-hop. You had to find a way, make turntables, make wires. Couldn't get a record deal, made mixtapes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Couldn't get on stage, rocked out in the park. Okay, we've been doing that since day one in hip-hop. So it's coming to an organization that has always done it in their way or only has been exposed to their perspectives and saying, these brilliant folk have been doing it for you know, decades, yeah. get some of that input. And some companies are brave enough to start doing that. So we're yeah. starting to see a little bit more of that. Uh, real quick, because you, you tagged, you said something and made me... Remember the rest? Remember the rest, yes. <laughs> no, because you said, what makes you excited, right? right? And I'm, I'm excited by also the adoption, right, of hip-hop into things that don't have anything to do with hip-hop, right? Um, a lot of the music, a lot of our music beds, we'll circle back to that, but also like just the fact that like NPR, Louder Than a Riot, um, some topics that might not have been covered before because hip hop as an as a outlet for the, for the streets or the outlet for people's feelings and thoughts in a different way have brought them to the mainstream. So I'm excited by uh, bigger outlets trying to you know, make that happen and tap the right producers and like he said, drink champs. Um, you know, I have feelings when drink champs first started, but like the growth of Noriega, you know, what I'm saying, I see you, Nori. Yeah. You've grown. So yeah. Point to that show to do what we always say is give flowers to right. pioneers and artists who are legends, who are legends and alive. So that's a great thing that hip hop is doing and found a lane to do it in. 
Yeah, I think you all covered it. I mean, I would just add in it's, um, I, I have this idea about um, certain things that allow uh, a gateway or a pathway for black culture and in a way that makes people feel safe. I'm going to tiptoe around this, but if you know, you know. If you don't, it's fine. You will. Um, I, I think that hip-hop, I think that sports, I think that fashion, I think that certain spaces where people are okay seeing black people exist often provide um, a method of, to use a metaphor, the aspirin in the applesauce, right? So we're able to use hip-hop culture to open those doors to other subjects such as social justice, mental health and wellness, mm -hmm. therapy, um, what's going on in the community, how we can improve those things. So I'm excited to see hip hop opening those doors in front of the mic and behind the mic as well. And we need to make it make that way to the boardroom to get those dollars. But I think we're going to talk about that later too. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, one thing that me and uh, me and Faye had some time to talk about uh, the other night over a nice martini was <laughs> was essentially we went through the Apple Podcast charts and we went through the top 100. And we realized there was not one person of color in the top 100 podcasts on Apple. And so what does that say, right? Does that say that as people of color, they, we don't have good stories to tell? I mean, we all know that's not true. So there's a problem here. And, and, and I, think it's one, I, I think it's important for us to be honest. I think it's important to say, like, I don't think that podcasting as an industry is inherently, I hate to say it, racist, but I think that's racist data. Right. <laughs> that data is racist. Right. Right. And we have to confront that. And so what do you think that we can do to to break down that barrier? It's so funny. I enjoyed that conversation. I'm going to jump in. Oh, but yeah. um, I, I was enjoying that conversation. I went back to my room and I was just thinking about that because we were talking about um, just how I think that data is going to have to change and how it is monitored and calculated. Like, I fully believe that um, the same way we went from vinyl to CDJs, to and one mixtape culture completely changing the game, to the smack DVDs being bootlegged. Like just the evolution of how we consume content right now, think about podcasting, like, right? We listened to an episode and we would download it on Apple Podcasts. Now you have people having podcasts on YouTube. Yesterday, Twitter just um, introduced Spaces, which now you can listen to podcasts. So what's going to happen next? I really think TikTok is going to have like minute-long podcasts. Tierra Whack did a 15-minute album with minute-long songs. So if you have a minute-long song, why can't you have a minute-long album? So how are you going to do that? And we were talking about LimeWire, how they were so far ahead of the game. Like I was downloading, you know, in another life, I was an MC and a DJ, but I was downloading like Gene Gray tapes in South Carolina because I couldn't get to Fat Beats or, you know, I, was, I wasn't up there on, uh, during the time when Times Square, everyone was pushing their mixtape, like, yo, son, you yeah, want to hear my yeah. mixtape? So um, I think how we consume um, podcasting, especially from that space of, like, Carisha Please and um, Bjork are number one and two on the music charts today. And I saw that. I meant to go screenshot. Somebody screenshot that because I really want that. Everybody screenshot it and post it up right now and say shout out to Apple Charts because <laughs> we need more women in the top 10. We need more women in those spaces. But I think that they're going to have to change the way that they calculate that data. Like the same way a stream on Spotify doesn't equate to a download on Apple Podcasts. It's like you have to have, what, a thousand streams or something to equate to a download. So if I'm listening to your podcast on YouTube, which Carisha Please has hundreds and thousands of listens on YouTube, 
does that reflect in the feed and does that count for a half a download? And, you know, like, I think that the, the tech is gonna have to come to us. Sometimes if you can't make it to the water, the water has to come to you. So I think either we're gonna change the game completely um, and they'll have to adjust to us because let's be honest, those, those dollars, those, the, where we, the way we are doing brand placements as well, like, is changing the game also. So I think that the tech, the, the way that we consume these podcasts are going to have to change because, quite frankly, we are hitting those numbers in other spaces. Yeah. You know, and it should be reflected in the charts. Like, we want our platinum plaques, too. Yeah. I want that yeah. Disgrace Land million. Come on, now. Diamond. Download. I Diamond, definitely you think know. the data has to be standardized, right? Absolutely. So count everything in one basket. And then also, in terms of curation, who's curating these things? Is it computers? Is it are they are the humans behind there? Are they combing through the, uh, is it like, you know, like, are they combing through the artwork for some sort of recognition that this is a hip hop thing? Is this a black thing? This is a woman thing, right? Because some people don't make their art to reflect their shade of skin, right? Like it's just be the name of the show and whatever. So I'm like, man, who, if it's a human, I'll be, you know, I'm asking y'all, click on it, right? Listen to it. Um, but I really think it's, you know, I think it's a computer. I don't know who's back there, y'all. But um, it's combing through the algorithm and it's saying, what are the 100 easiest grabs I can take right now? And that's what the computer's doing. So I don't think it's for us to say, like, as a creator, like, do something different. Sometimes it's about, like, as the people consuming and curating, what, how do you need to change how you look for shit? and meet meet us there like the content is there i'm going to afros and audios festival in october right. they there right i went to black pop fest in atl two months ago we out here right. more than a hundred so yeah. you know meet us yeah i was gonna say the, the the charts are stacked uh you know for in a number of ways from data or from just being you know the top shows are all on these top networks that all kind of feed each other and, you know, boost each other and promote on each other's platforms. And you have large companies with large networks, and those shows get a lot of attention right out of the gate. And that's fine. That's great. But it doesn't do a lot for mid-level creators, mid-level companies, independent companies. So we know that podcasting in general has a discoverability problem, right? Just in general, finding new stuff because it's all, all that stuff on the charts are crammed in from these giant companies. So that just gets as most things do, uh, amplified. The problem gets exacerbated when you're dealing with either independent you know, creators, uh, creators of color, the, the groups that don't break through that. So again, as I said earlier, I said companies need to be braver and say, well, if you're, look at the music charts, top eight, like eight of the top 10 are all people of color, all people doing like cool stuff. So it's not that the shows aren't popular. They're super popular in their, you know, in their genre, in their area. But bring those, a lot of those shows are independent produced or smaller companies. I think the larger companies need to take more risks, put them into their rotation, start seeing them at the top of the, the charts. We, some, there's 17 apps here trying to figure out podcast discoverability. But like I always say, when, when you talk about hip-hop music, and they say, they, you know, it's all this one type now because that's all you're exposed to. Dig one step deeper. Mm -hmm. And you'll find all the hip-hop you want in your life. Anything you want, any style, any way, any, you know, any is it, type. Is it fear, though? Like, I feel like it's a fear. There's a fear, too. Who's like, con content-wise, right? So, like, if you click on something, you don't immediately recognize yourself in it, yeah, okay. right? And there's also people that try to get 
podcast, you know, distributed and sold to networks and whatnot. And I, I'm, I'm hearing on the other side of the feedback, like, you know, we need this. First, so the first part is we need this. The people need to hear this. Right. Then a month later, man, we can't sell this. Nobody's buying. And I'm like, wait, what happened between we need this and the enthusiastic Zoom meeting to, man, they're not trying to touch this, right? So there's still a disconnect there. And I don't want us to think that just because hip-hop is the dominant art cult culture of now that we all, you know, like when we got our black president, everybody thought racism was gone. No, child. That's why I'm, we're still having difficulties selling certain shows because the, the lip service it doesn't match the action. Right? And we need this. <laughs> Not today. Well, that's my question. Was there, and I mean, I was trying to keep up with as many panels as I can. I think it's great to have um, the influence of hip hop and podcast. It, quite honestly, it could have been, you know, so many various entry points um, to podcasting. Like American music is black music. We could have called this the rock intro to influence to podcasting. But, um, were there any panels that discussed how folks of color, um, BIPOC communities, women, LGBT communities, marginalized groups um, get those sponsorship dollars? Were there any panels here that spoke Sp to that? Specific specifically? Okay. There were? Can I be more specific? Were there panels that showed uh, marginalized groups how to get essentially that pitch to execution process completed? Right. There was a pitch one. Yeah. There was a subject matter for BIPOC communities to go through that process. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I like I stumbled upon one like just over here it was like a latin x one on uh yesterday yeah and um because i thought i was going to the tiktok one and went to hers i was a day <laughs> a day off but um yeah but she was just like just speaking about um how hispanics could just really take advantage um in the podcast community and she was just giving them like ways on how they can take advantage of it did i stick around I didn't because once I found out I was on the wrong day, I really went to the podcast that I was going to. Yeah, yeah. But, but it I, exists. I did, yeah. yeah. Or at least like for that specific, for those specific people, yes. Yeah, but those are the problems. Sponsorship dollars, companies that are willing to take on, you know, shows and, and put their weight behind it. Uh, you know, this is still a problem. Until folks get a way to do it themselves. And, and one, thing, one thing I want to touch on, too, that I think it's important, I think to, to be able to change something, you have to be able to understand something. And I think that like one thing when we look at, like, let's say uh, for the hip-hop space, right, it may be a little more difficult for other, um, other folks to get into the hip-hop space because hip-hop was rooted in New York City and the Bronx. It's, it was always going to be rooted in snares, <laughs> like sampling records, Right, the DJ, mm -hmm. and those are, and to this very day, 50 years later, those are still the principles of hip hop that we hear. Podcasting's origins, I felt like, came from white nerd academia, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? It came from a tool of like, let's share the news with one another. Right. And I think like that's because that's where it started, it's hard to change the framework of what a podcast is or what a podcast can be, right? right? Because that's just the origins of what it is. But I think there's a a way for us to redefine what podcasting can do and what a podcast is in general. I think it's being redefined now. Yeah, 
it to is. be honest. Um, I think that we will continue to see how people define podcasts. Like when I think about YouTube podcasts, that's a TV show. Right. I mean, right. You know, <laughs> yeah. when I think about a live podcast, that's a panel. Right. Uh, you know, we're just giving it different names. Right. Um, but I, I, to your point, I think that, you know, it will continue to evolve. And we'll, we've had these discussions about, you know, uh, Black Thought Most Deaf releasing their album into Luminary as a, as a podcast, which is, yeah. you know, very cool. And then having that discussion around it. What's the discussion about your process of making your album? What did we call that back in the day? That was your liner notes, you know? Like, so I, I think we can change that definition. And I think um, what I loved most about um, how podcasts exist um, as far as, you know, we, we can keep it in the, in the vein of hip hop, but I think that, you know, Nina Simone said the artist's job is to reflect the times. You know, we chatted about this too, and sometimes it's to correct the times. So you have folks out there doing that work. Like, I love what uh, DCP Entertainment is doing. Like, Say Their Names was a huge podcast, and they're going out there and speaking to these families that, um, you know, have to deal with family members that they lost like 20, 30 years ago, and they're still in that grieving process and that process of wanting retribution and having their stories told um, is is something that you know goes beyond again that creative process that might be acceptable um, for the dollars but it speaks to that idea of nerding out and I guess we don't call it nerding out but finding out um, the depth of, of someone's story that the mainstream media isn't covering. And I think hip hop existed in that vein for so long. Like the mix shows, Flex still dropping bombs, but the mix shows happened because a lot of records weren't getting played on those top 40 stations. So we had to come up with mix shows. We had to come up with another way to push our music. I keep bringing up the M1 mixtape because M1 was a clothing brand. Yeah. That had hip-hop artists making songs, and we just talked about, who was the homie that did the Wendy's mixtape? Oh, uh, Archie Davis. Shout so, out to Archie. you know, you have brands sponsoring content, which essentially is what podcasting is. Like, Tiana Taylor has a podcast with Bumble, and they're dropping ads that aren't even ads anymore. There's no more, hey, this is a host red ad from so-and-so and so, you should check out. Hip-hop artists up here like, girl, we talking, she's talking to Queen Lori Harvey, the goddess, and she's like, open up your Bumble app. We're going to take some questions real quick. And I was like, I don't have Bumble. I need Bumble. I'm in a long-term relationship. I do not need Bumble. But that was product placement. Like, I was like, oh my God, Bumble. Yeah, I wanted to be a part of the conversation. So, I mean, I think that yeah, podcasting might have started one place, like you're saying, but it's definitely going somewhere else. I think it's still being defined. And I think I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. And it's exciting to be on the other side of the fence right. as like, you know, because I DJ by night. But during the day, like working in marketing, I have no want to do anything that y'all do because I see the shout out to the creators. Can we get a snap up for all the podcast creators out here? It's tough work. It is tough work. I see what this man is doing. I see what y'all are doing. And I champion that. And I want to find more cool ways to do stuff. Like, I don't know. How do we yeah. do a flash podcast party in the middle of Times Square? What does that even look like? I don't know. But I think that hip-hop, I think creators like you all are going to take it there. And I, I want to, uh, we have about 15 minutes left. But I want to kind of get to this topic around, um, there's a lot of parallels in hip-hop uh, with podcasting. And as the industry evolves and changes, I know me and Faye, and I think all of us were having a conversation just about how, um, this could be the future of a lot of uh, how deals are getting done and structured, like the business side um, of podcasts. 
and one thing that um, you know, even personally, I know that we all experience is, you know, how do we protect ourselves and our IP and our ideas? Um, has anyone had has anything to speak on on that? I mean, I was just gonna say, hip hop can also be uh, in terms of deals and stuff, how not to right get caught out there because yeah. a lot of folks have got caught out there. And I think what we've learned, not just through watching people talk about their deals more openly in hip hop, like artists that we love and, or even like 20 years later, and they're like, well, you know, I didn't make no money off that song. Um, what we're dealing with now as creators, especially independent creators, um, especially independent creators of color, is the fact that, you know, like we gotta learn how to read our contracts. And just cause you read it don't mean that you, you can, you have, you know what to do next, right? So I would I would benefit from from that education, and then also how does that trickle down into me keeping my intellectual property? How to not let it get washed out by if I, if I was a hip hop artist, a label, but I'm not. I'm a creator. So if a, a company that I'm approaching, how do I not get that um, whitewashed? And oh man, there's so much we could learn. So many parallels in that area, and some of it is what not to do, or or how to be um, that alarm bell go off in your head. So when I think about parallels, I kind of think about the damn. I don't want that to be me, dog. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. I think I think it's really important to that, um, especially as the industry evolves, that creators have so much power. Right. I think the cool thing about podcasting is that every rule can be broken because there are no rules. And so that, you know, we have a lot more leverage and power as far as being able to own IP and we can be as creative as we want to be and and get the kind of deals that that are very much fair. So it is very important for everyone to read your contracts. (laughs) I just just want to jump in real quick. Um, One thing I want to say about the creativity and and the leverage and all that and how podcast is evolving from hip-hop. Again, you know, we have a thing, you know, I have a show that I just talked about in the beginning that takes journalism and says, well, we're going to hip-hopify it, right? We're going to use that as a way to leverage that in a creative way. That's totally new. That's totally, no one's done it before the way we do it, which is, yay, yay, great me. But but what I'm saying is it's that kind of thinking, right? Saying, oh, I'm going to, to, to use my, my, again, my culture, the way I see things, my ethos in these different ways. It's another show I work on that we have a merchandise. I'm trying to give some specific examples, right? Instead of just talking like, you know, uh, ethereally sometimes. Uh, so it's the only stuff that I know. We have another show that instead of merch, instead of selling T-shirts and such, I do have another show you could buy a T-shirt from. But the one I'm talking about, we have a partnership with a coffee roasting company on an indigenous uh, community in New York. We, they coffee roast, we white label, and we sell it because, to, our, to our listeners, okay? That's innovative as hell. And that's kind of that, that cross-pollination of ideas. That's very hip-hop, right? Like you said, um, And One Mixtape was a clothing company that put out a mixtape. I want to do news and social justice journalism. We're going to use music, right? We want to build our audience, but we don't want to sell T-shirts. We're going to sell coffee. It's just that idea, that creativity of doing different things in different ways. And the same thing with, with structuring yeah. those deals and saying, well, this is how I see it should be. You know what I mean? We have a little bit of leverage because we're – and if you have the right folks that are open to that sort of thing, it really does – it can expand this whole industry and in it, super creative ways. It's important, too, that I, I think that, like, podcasting has this very um, – uh, you know – I tend to think of it as something that's like people are sitting in their room. They just have really cool ideas. It's like how artists start with their songs. Like, oh, this song, I just want to be a singer. You know, I just love singing and making people happy. And I think what's happening is like 
with podcasting, we're going to see it. No, no, no. This is way bigger than that. Yeah. Right. So like you might be thinking in your, in your room, like, man, I'm writing this really cool character and I'm developing it in audio, but you're really making the next Walt Disney. You, you, you make the next Mickey Mouse. Right. right. You're making the next Star Wars. And and this is not just an audio. You can't think of your show just as an audio. Your show is you have to think about it live. You have to think about it in television form. Yep. Think about it in movie form. Think about it in music form. You know, so it's not just that. You have to think about it and you're literally selling Mickey Mouse to someone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I love that you put it that way because um, it's interesting. While we were just talking about this, making the differentiation between artist and creator, um, I really think for podcasters, you all are the next rock stars. And we, we were chatting about this as well. But um, I think that it's going to turn into, if we think of networks as the labels, like 360 deals happening with your content. It might already be happening, but not only are you, and this is why I'm gonna round it about to get to the point of owning your IP, owning your ideas, owning your brand, because I think you'll find networks signing you for your podcast, but read that contract because when you write your book, do they own the rights to that? If it turns into a TV show, are you going to own the rights to that? The live performance of it, the branding, merch element of it, um, the way that the industry is evolving, I was thinking to myself, like, whoever figures out a way to get all these things in one place is going to be a very rich person where I can listen to your podcast, listen to your music, listen to your audio book, and then go buy your merch. And then I met this Dystopia, Devontae from Dystopia. There he is right there. Hey, yep. I was Dystopia. like, this guy's an amazing platform, very rich y'all. man because I'm going to be honest. I have like, I don't know how many apps are on my phone. One day I'm going to wake up, Alexa, Siri, one of them, they're going to come and find me and jump into my brain because there's just so many apps right now. I have to go to like two or three different places to hear your content. But when it gets to the point where I can do a one-stop shop, you know, that's technically a 360 deal. I'm not saying sign a 360 deal. Right. But look out for it. So you heard the drop here the model, first, yeah. you know, just so you're able to get that coin and every place. You got to get that bag, period. So um, I, I think like what what you all are saying about the legal representation and being able to read those contracts and just quite frankly have that ownership. I don't know. Do you avoid exclusive deals? Do you give people a certain amount of time to have your content so that you can open up that door for the next uh, platform that might be coming through to offer you more? Do you build your own app? Right. I don't know. What does that look like? I mean, that sounds very hip hop. Yep. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, one thing I want to do before we, I think maybe maybe want to open up some folks in the audience for uh, for questions. But um, in the spirit of drink champs, you know, is there anyone in the industry or uh, any company or uh, anything you're seeing that deserves giving their flowers to? Issa Rae, Issa Rae, and Issa Rae. Uh, yeah. Explain why. Um, so I, I always talk, I'm just a big Issa Rae fan. I love um, what she's doing with all forms of media, not only her music supervision branch, radio, hooray, the work that she's doing with film and television, how it all works together. Um, I love the way that she throws Easter eggs in with Insecure actually having a whole podcast called Looking for Latoya. Did anybody else listen to that show? <laughs> Shout out to our friends at Tenderfoot. Um, it was just very innovative. This It's all links together. I love the um, rap shit that's out now and the chat show, chat shit, but also releasing the songs from the show. It's like actors are now charting Artists, yeah. on Spotify yep. <laughs> because uh, they the songs are bomb, you know? So I really love the work that she's doing. Again, 
talking about, you know, cross-pollinating and owning all those forms of content. So that's why I want to give my flowers to Issa Rae. How about you, Manny? Um, in the interest of some of the work that I do, I like, uh, uh, I want to shout out uh, 1619 Project, Nicole Hannah-Jones, right? To counter some of the things we see happening in the you know, political world where materials are being taken out of schools, important lessons from history being, you know, erased or whitewashed or whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, taking, obviously printing, it's a big print project, but there was podcasts, you know, uh, uh, counterparts, there's audio stuff, and finding that way, like, so Newsbeat, the, the thing we do, we found out that people are using our episodes as curriculum. Mm. Because we're talking about things that they're not teaching with social justice issues, and we have a great episode on MLK, Dr. King, what they didn't teach you in school about him, and that's being used as curriculum. So when I see the 1619 Project, and I see things like that, I say, wow, here are ways to counter all of this, uh, you know, this arsenal of school boards and, and, and political movements to erase some of this equipment, uh, erase some of this information. Uh, so shouts to that and to them and, and folks who are doing that kind of work. Because uh, I think that that's super vital right now. Yeah. Um, and I would just add on, and part, part of uh, what you talked about earlier about, like, gatekeeping and, you know, what this industry was started with, you know, a lot of, you know, white dude, public media money, you know, a lot of gatekeeping and, and also our need to break free from that. So I just want to give flowers to a show, uh, Midnight Miracle, that's on Luminary, which, you know, it's hard for us to hear because we got to buy another subscription to another thing. But um, I don't know the person who produces it. I, it's like they like keep folks under wraps or some shit. I, if you know that person, please introduce me because that show breaks the mold of this storytelling. Yeah technique that like we have been indoctrinated to because and forced into forced to fit ourselves into as um we're we're just like the people of hip the hip-hop culture that the producers of that come from the hip-hop culture we are we're like you putting us in a straight jacket right but also I gotta learn the thing I gotta learn it the, your way so I could break the mold and whoever's producing Midnight Miracle has figured it out. They broke the mold. They're bringing us, you know, the voices we love, the comedians we like, the, the conversations that are kind of incendiary but also we need to have them in a, in a way that the music, I mean, God damn, introduce me to that guy. Please. <laughs> um, Giving that, that person my flowers. Yeah, I, I'm going to give a shout out to uh, Eric Eddings and Brittany Luce. Uh, yes. Colored Nerds, formerly of The Nod. Uh, I, I look at these two as, as complete pioneers uh, in the space. They've been in the space for a long time, but they've also um, had some bumps and bruises in the industry, but also share them and, and were able to learn from them too. So yes. not only are they making dope content, but they're out there as, as warriors and fighters and, and they're doing dope shit, but they're, they're also educating us as well. I want to open up, is, are, is there anyone that has, we have about four and a half minutes. Oh, she's right here. Can, she has a question. I'm, I'm going to come on down with the people. Oh, snap. All right, <laughs> Corey for president. Right. Hi, my name is Zanaya, and um, my question is, I kind of just wanted to get, like, a little bit more clarification about, like, the Apple Music, the Top 100 podcast. Um, when you was talking about, like, data and, like, how there was, like, no, um, like, people of color on there, do you think it's because, like, um, they do, like, they track data differently between like 
braces. Like, I just wanted to, like, understand, like, what you mean, um, like, by, like, data with the top 100. I mean, if, if, if on the surface it's the most popular shows, I mean, that's because these are the big companies that put out these big shows. The right wing has, a, you know, like, the right wing podcasts are probably in the top 20 because they have a huge grip on listenership. You know, they're, they're very popular shows and they're, you know, uh, and, and their big companies are going to have that at top. But I don't know how the data actually works. If it's based on popularity, that's one of the reasons why. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's based on the amount of downloads that you're getting. And the folks over at Apple Podcasts, they're homies with Double Elvis. Like, we see the work that they are trying to do as far as discoverability. They had, um, they've introduced collections, which I guess would be, yes, yeah, like um, the curated space within the app, which they're doing some very meaningful work there. Um, the Juneteenth collection was amazing, as well as uh, for Pride, they did a, a full, um, I think for, um, to be honest, section was like just all podcasts by not only folks of color, but queer folks of color. Um, and I think what we want to get at as far as the people that are getting the most downloads are those with the most budget to grow the audience bigger. So that top 100 just means they're getting millions and millions of downloads because they probably have millions and millions of dollars. So it's really just based on, you know, it's the same way like charting on Billboard would work. So to give you... Um, I kind of like a space. Um, same with the, with the Spotify charts. Like, I will say, Meghan Markle just passed Joe Rogan today. I don't know if y'all saw that as number one. Give it up for her. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Clap for Meghan. They be trying to come for our girl. Duchess is in the building. Um, so, yeah, it's just really, that's why we're talking about the importance of getting um, funding, getting backing, having more shows with intention. Money. Um, more money. More money. Hello, sir. What's your name? Where are you from? That's Scott. Hey, yeah, I'm Sky. My name is Sky Blanks. I'm actually from Jersey, so I'm not too far from a lot of y'all. Hey. Um, and my dad was in the music industry a long time ago. But what I think is like the issue what I noticed being at the podcast movement is that, you know, a lot of this charting stuff is focused on true crime. That's kind of what opened up the uh, you know, podcast industry. So how do you guys grow your audience and, you know, break into the hip-hop industry? And, you know, like you said, there's a lot of, like, mud in the water of, like, people that aren't in part of the community knowing what is deeper than just what they see on the news. Um, and so how do you get, you know, young kids, you know, in high school and in, in college who just know about, you know, the top rappers but don't know, oh, there's commentary about the history of hip-hop. I know, like, there's been, like, a lot of, like, cool do uh, documentaries and stuff in Netflix, like the hip-hop, um, what was it called, the hip-hop... Uh, Evolution, yeah, and all that stuff. So, how are you guys uh, breaking into those audiences? I feel, I, I mean, I just find that, li like, you know, you just gotta live, live it. You know, you live it. You live your truth. You live, you live hip hop. And I like, I go places. I be my full self, right? Like, I have not, you know, code switched not one bit at this thing. You know, like when people see that you doing your thing in the spirit that you need to do it in, and I live in the spirit of hip hop. The younger people, people tend to be like, oh, I, that's okay. I could do that, right? They see me. I got a job. Right? Yeah, right, I got a job that pays me well. To in my skin, that that also makes people feel okay, and then just differentiating um, where I'm at. Saying I'm working this thing. on. I'm gonna just hop in real quick because I know we got a minute. I'm working on a, a site called Grow My Show. So um, as someone who you know, is, is able to show up. I, I show up in a way that isn't my full authentic self, but enough to keep me in the boardroom. That's really mm, who I am. That's real. You know, and it's so that I can understand and get these notes to share it with y'all. So a lot of the growth happens within the podcast space. So podcast ads to get really specific, find somebody that is doing the same kind of show that you are, do some swaps with them, drop in their feed as well. Don't even worry about exchanging money. Just make sure that you are all existing in the, um, 
the ecosystem in the audio space. The other thing is going to be platforms. You want to get on CastBox. You want to get on Stitcher. You want to get on uh, uh, Podbean. You want to get on all of these different apps. Every time I open my phone to go on TikTok, Instagram, or Twitter, I may or may not be looking for a podcast. If I'm opening CastBox, if I'm opening Apple Podcasts, if I'm opening Stitcher, I'm specifically looking for a podcast. It costs about $2,000 to $5,000 to run ads on these companies. Some of us might not have that kind of money. Totally fine. Don't worry about it. Get a brand sponsor to pay for it. If not, they have something that is completely free, which is their editorial programs. Y'all not taking notes. Y'all taking this free game and, and not Let's doing go. anything with it. They gonna but watch the replay. Watch the replay. <laughs> they have editorials. So what happens is Apple Podcast has a link. They have a section called Spotlight. Spotlight is specifically for BIPOC, LGBTQ, and marginalized groups. They will not feature other types of podcasts. How do I know? I've tried to secretly submit some. They will not get featured in Spotlight. Okay? So this is specifically for you. It's very different from the regular editorial where everyone else gets featured. Okay? You do that for free. CastBox has the same thing. Stitcher. There's a woman named Emma over at Stitcher. You're going to email her. You're going to say, Faye told me to reach out to you. You're going to submit your podcast. You're going to show up on Pandora for free. Holla at me after the show. Yes, Yes. everyone, thank you so much. You know what I'm excited for before we get out of here? In the next two years, hip-hop and podcasting will be the biggest thing at Podcast Movement. Mark, Let's go. Thank you all so much for everything. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you.